boy. Oh, that was quick. That was quick. No warning. Uh, (laughs) Let's see how professional their intro is, uh, Rob. Welcome Welcome back to Trad, man, everybody. How y'all doing? Uh, Where's the music? You guys want me to play the music? Man, I don't know how to do it. Yeah, yeah. Listen, listen, this is our first live, so... (laughs) I got a I got a whole plethora of songs that I like to intro with. If you guys want, one. <laughs> how big is a plethora? Uh, that's a that's a Three Amigos reference. If you don't know. But anyway, you guys, all you make is Office references and things me and Rob never saw. So we'll just play I, along with it. I saw the Three Amigos. Who are you? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> never saw the Three Amigos. That movie. so for those of you who are joining us, and hopefully, and you know what, after. So we've been kicking around the idea of doing this crossover episode for a long time, and we weren't sure whose channel we were going to do it on. And so finally, I made the really bad executive decision to do it on our channel, which only has 153 followers, versus doing it on <laughs> y'all's channel, which actually has people to participate. 156, in the by the way. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> he's, got a counter, he's got a counter on his phone. Um, I, yeah. And so, uh, so if you are on the, ch- if you are joining us, please uh, feel free to comment. Let, Let's let me tweet the link out again to make sure everybody gets in here because. Yeah. And and even though this is Tradman uh, podcast, we have a since we collaborated, we have a a good uh, collaboration title: avoiding what is it? Avoiding Tradman in Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. And just like always, Rob, in his professional manner, invites his children to join the stream. That's right. That's so. <laughs> the best part. They're better than me. Biggie. What's up, Biggie? What's up, guy? Hi. Say hi. Hi, Iggy. <laughs> I freaking love that kid. I don't know That's how you don't eat kid. him, bro. I'll give you that. I would, I would bite his face if he was mine. <laughs> I don't know how you don't. Um, I, I kind of like the idea of not having to... Um, be the one in control tonight so i'm just gonna fly by the seat of my pants and let you guys Man, take the reins and see where it goes let it ride i hope um, your audience isn't expecting like bishop schneider level no well <laughs> even if they, even, even if bishop schneider were on they'd criticize you for, for doing that too um hey is that is that don what's up don? i see don doing? yeah hey yeah. mark mark you want to go ahead for any uh listeners that'll uh, our listeners aren't familiar with Rob and Anthony. Yeah, let's go introduce ahead and give them. Yeah, let's, let's introduce. So Rob, so Rob and Anthony are our 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 brothers from another mother over at Avoiding Babylon. If you guys aren't subscribe aren't subscribers to Avoiding Babylon, you need to be. That's a it's a great channel. Got a lot of great and 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 funny content. And they do a weekly show called So You Think You Know the Faith, and it's a Catholic trivia show where you guys, the audience, can participate and actually win. Some surprises. Well, That's a well. stretch. <laughs> and, and if you win, and Anthony winning. will promise you a prize and then never give it to you. Well, I was going to no. say, and win, winning is very subjective, too. So, uh, we, oh, all right. So, listen, here's the actual rules. If, you, if it's your first time playing and you win, you 100% get a prize. Okay. But after you've won a prize, if you return, even if you win the chat, if it's funny, I'll take it away. That's just the general rule. I have given two, like one person, a prize twice, but it's a very rare thing. We like to like shower the new guests and get their hopes up as if it's like going to be a regular thing for them. But we love to deny people if they've already won a prize. It's, it's, it, it works. It works what well did one of our reviewers call us? Uh, drug dealers? Yeah. yeah like they give you the first taste free. for free. Ah, <laughs> the first hit's free. After that, we start charging. And uh, so this is so we thought it'd be kind of fun to have a nice crossover event and uh, and and 
shoot the shoot the bull a little bit about what's going on in 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 society and um i i think uh we we were kicking around what to talk about tonight and there really is nothing else we can talk about other than the general state that our society finds itself in and how in the world did we get here and where in the what in the world is the way back and what i what i mean by how in the world did we get here i mean we've got we've got a society where children are being taken to strip clubs and 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 that scene is controversial and bold and and all this other things uh we've got uh you know a society in which teenagers will live stream themselves walking into an elementary school and offering <coughs> elementary kids and then like the general takeaway from that is not how did we all get to be a nation of psychopaths it's well the, those guns are dangerous huh and it's like that's yeah. your that's your takeaway yeah. really yeah, it's a bit of it's a bit of a it's a bit of that's a strange like, way we live. That's like that's like that's like learning about the Rwandan genocide and being like, "Wow, machetes are kind of dangerous, huh?" Yeah, really. Well, besides, <laughs> that, besides that, if you look at even what's going on, I mean, it is you know um, deadly sin month. And the other day, Fox yeah. News decided they were going to join in on the fun, and they put out a segment called "Raising Ryland," where it was. They try. Nothing made me more angry than seeing this segment because they tried to play it off like this is the most normal suburban household where it's just a typical mom and dad, and the mom's a conservative religious person, and they just have this daughter who, from three years old, just you know, they just they their daughter just didn't want to wear a dress, and the way they went through this filth, it was like you you have to just think in 10 years this poor kid first off they're chemically castrating this poor girl and she's yeah. never going to have a normal life whatsoever and the just the way they portrayed it was so enraging and they tried to just play it off like we're all supposed to just swallow it like it's just every other normal thing they're trying to use the same propaganda they used for the gay marriage thing for everything and they're trying to make it seem so normal when if you really know the reality of the situation in this in the trans movement, it is anything but normal. It's psychotic. It's dangerous. It's, I mean, I don't know how. Well, you know, uh, uh, piggybacking off that, if you remember years ago, 10, 20 years ago, <clears throat> the natural end, or the, not the natural end, but the logical end to the homosexuality movement was the transgender movement, right? Because there's yeah. a, there's a, there's a logical natural end to all this, right? And now you have coming out, of course, they're starting to slowly or fast, however you want to look at it. This idea of pedophilia is an acceptable oh, that's the next form, phase. right? So, yeah. so it's a logical win. But I remember being back in in college, back in uh, what was it? Probably about two thousand three, two thousand four. <clears throat> Just a quick ninety six. Stop pretending. No, I graduated <laughs> high school. <laughs> so, but you know, I, I transferred into Texas A and M. And so I had I had the last choice of all my classes. So I needed uh, a humanities course or whatever they called it. And I took the only option that was left was a sociology class called the uh, what was it called? Um, the family life or the family or, so, or something about the family. And I remember thinking this is going to be a fun semester because it's going to be so left 
wing bend. It's just going to be trashing the nuclear family, traditional family, right? Well, I get in there, and the and, and the and the professor walks in, and she honestly she looked like she was going to be out in left field. I mean, oh, hair right, was sure. everywhere and all that. And yeah. I'm just like, well, this is going to be a really fun semester. She got up there. She was extremely pro-family, against same-sex marriages, against abortion. I mean, she was very... Where was this? Texas A&M? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. So uh, the, the point of the story is there was an argument between her and a couple of the girls in class one day. And she said, you know, th this is when homosexuality was really being pushed to, to, to be a mainstream way of living, right? And she, and she mentioned something about, you know, these things have a, have a slope, a, a, a curve that they all end up on. She goes, not too long ago, homosexuality was looked at as a deviant behavior. Now it's slowly not being a deviant behavior. She said, what's next? Transgenderism, bestiality, pedophilia. She goes, where do we stop at? And I remember the girl, cause the girl was actually right in front of me. She says, she says, oh, you're being ridiculous. That's, that's, that's oh, yeah. Everybody that's wants to play it off like that slippery slope thing you're, is nothing. You're, right? Yeah. You're, you're just playing the slippery slope fallacy, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I look back on it now. That teacher, that professor was spot on because, you know, we got the transgenderism. We've got people thinking now they're doing trans species type, type the nonsense. The crazy thing is, all of this goes back to humanity Vitae, all of it. If it, it, every single thing you're seeing now goes back to birth control, it's once you remove reproduction from the marital act and you allow it to be just for pleasure, you end up here inevitably, no matter what, yep. no matter what, like, it doesn't matter how, I mean, it took, I took the first 30 years were a slow, slow chug, right? It went from like in the sixties up until the two thousands. Once, Obama came out. Now, his first term, he came out in 08. He was against uh, gay marriage. Like, he was. He came out. They were well, kind well, of talking about these, civil unions at the time, a, but... A lot of these politicians were right because it was politically expedient. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they'll so, say whatever they think... They, of course, know, yeah. You know they, they don't they have don't a believe, single, a single principle in mind, right? They don't have a but, backbone, yeah. But when you see how rapidly it went from the 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 gay marriage thing to the transgenderism thing. I mean, it's insane. It went from 1990, I, I, and I'm, I'm stealing this from Tim Gordon because Tim Gordon actually brought this up. In 1996, you had a Seinfeld episode where they were talking about um, going, uh, uh, something something about something was gay and they, and, and they were both like, well, not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. We went from that to gay marriage to this insanity we're seeing today so quickly like it took 50 years to get the gay marriage and then three years to get to the transgender movement it was nuts how fast this went yeah and, and it seems like it's only getting faster unfortunately see i but see to me it's it's indicative of even a deeper problem though which is it's the it's the narcissism of everything i mean it would be one thing like i i had a a guy i knew in law school uh who lived an openly gay lifestyle and while we were even while we were in law school he got married as he mm -hmm. would say in his gay marriage but he was kind of one of these guys look if you if if you want to come to my gay wedding that's cool if he wouldn't have want, been mad if you if, couldn't if, if you, you if you don't if you don't want to or you feel that doesn't reflect your values that's cool too you know you do you i'm gonna do me now he's still in error i want to be clear about that i'm not i'm not yeah, but he wasn't trying to force it down your throat but there's something about people who just like i knew i also knew a girl who 
had boyfriends all through college and, and all through uh, uh, her postgraduate career. And then while she was in postgrad, the gay thing became cool. And now all of a sudden she's gay. Now she's never been in a gay relationship, but everything about she's got a, yeah, it's trend. Mm -hmm. And it's not only trendy, it's a way of making everything about me mm -hmm. and every single thing about me. It's gotta be about me. And you better reflect all the things I tell you, or you're, you know, and there's that's something the, narcissistic about that. And yeah. And that's the, a, that's the thing with, with not only this, but, but many sins, right? People, you know, demand that you accept their sin. And you think, why do I have, well, why are you so hell bent that I accept your sin? And it comes back to the affirmation. They know deep down that what they're doing is wrong. You know, isn't that crazy though? Like, if you think about it, like there's so many things we keep in the closet, right? Like, and I don't mean sexual stuff. I just mean like most of us want to hide our sin from others. You don't want to like, it's a weird thing that's happening now where people want to parade their the the deviancy in public and not just not just show it off but demand it be held up as a good mm -hmm. it's like woe to you that call good evil and evil good like we're not just people aren't just satisfied with it being something i do but i don't want anybody to know about it it's like not only do i do it it has to be front and center and everybody has to praise what i'm doing yeah, yeah. it's absurd I mean, think about it this way. If you if you knew someone who was suicidal. And Wait, you're putting you're putting Rob's Twitter handle up as if Rob didn't abandon us. But now Rob, not only did he abandon <laughs> us, I think I think I know where he is. I think he's on Catholic Comedy's channel he's and he's doing <laughs> and he's doing another one of these little uh skits over there because he did this to me already and he abandoned me. <laughs> I don't know where this guy went. He just decides to take off on us. I'm sorry. What I That's okay. If, if, if you, if you knew someone who was suicidal and, and, and you went to them and, and you, and you said, look, I, I know life is hard. I know, I know right now it seems like there's no hope. I, I know that I know how you feel, but you got to hang on, bro. You got to hang on. How would you feel if instead somebody said, well, good for you. You yeah. don't let anybody tell you how to feel. You go right ahead and commit. So, God, God forbid anyone who would say something like that. If you well, and didn't if we would have something like that, we had Catholic priests accompanying people that were doing assisted suicide in Canada. That is that is a grotesque sin that I, I mean, it was almost. I thought about this example, and I it was even difficult to spit it out of my mouth. It's so awful. Well, no, so there was an actual Catholic priest. Oh, who, I'm sure there was, a, there was a person who was going for youth. You know, they were going to end they whatever they call it, the compassionate care at the end of your Euthanasia. Yeah, it was euthanasia. But the priest yeah. actually accompanied this person in their suicide. And it's like, that's how off the wall it has gotten even inside the church. You think about like. I think somebody put up the other day, there was a quote by John Paul II saying how, like, if the church doesn't stand up against um, abortion, then then the church will cease to be what it is because it has to be that voice. Again. And, and it's like, where is the voice of the church right now through all of this? It's so crazy. You brought up Humani Vitae. Have, have you read Evangelium Vitae by, by John Paul II? He made a I think list. I have. Of, I don't. I couldn't yeah. recall it to mind. He though. made a list of predictions. If we if we allow the culture of death to triumph, you will see that 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 that. Oh that. yeah. And at the time it came out, everybody rolled their eyes and did all that sort of thing. And go back and read it today. 
People can say what they want about John Paul II. That man was a culture warrior. I love that, John Paul II. That man brought that. There's an amazing documentary on um, on Amazon Prime called, uh, oh, I wish I knew the name of it. But it's about John Paul II. Oh, John Paul II and communism, maybe, something like that. But it's about showing how, I mean, you got to realize this is before all the, the scandals that came out and stuff. And they show John Paul meeting Gorbachev. And Gorbachev's knees are buckling. Like he's so nervous around this towering figure, John Paul II, who's just like wagging his finger at him for the atrocities he's committing on his people, you know? I mean, the guy, look, he appointed some horrific cardinals. He was terrible with the liturgy and he came up in the 60s. So he did have a little bit of that, you know, open the, the church to the world type of stuff. But that man was a powerhouse when it come, came to life issues, when it came to sexuality issues. I mean, well, if we did, he gave us he gave us Ecclesia Day. He got he actually most of the work that Benedict the Sixteenth did on Samorum Pontificum was, was building upon his by, work. was was begun by John Paul II. He yeah. John Paul II is is also I mean Samorum Pontificum is also John Paul II's brainchild as well. Um, I think he had some bad people surrounding him. Uh, I think uh, Cardinal Angelo Zadano was a snake. And, and but think about how many of those cardinals I could throw in, but under John Paul and Benedict, there was a lot of cardinals and bishops who we were like, Oh, this guy's good, this guy's solid, this guy's solid. And then when Francis came out, it was like all their true colors came, the masks dropped for all of them. I mean, I remember well, they're gonna go along with whoever they think is gonna further their, yeah, they, you could so. just see clericalism. These men are company men who just want to move Big up time. in the ranks. But Schoenborn was like a student of Benedict the 16th, and he was like. He was a good cardinal before Francis. And then Francis comes along and he's sitting there and he's talking about, well, you know, the family has to be, I mean, once we saw the, like you're talking about uh, worrying about going to that college uh, class about, you know, you were worried that it was going to be like a very left-leaning class. When, when Francis called that first synod on the family, I was thinking the opposite was going to happen. I was saying, okay, well, this is where you're going to see the indefectibility of the church come in. They're going to try and pull all this left stuff, but in the end, the Holy Ghost is going to protect the church, and you're not going to get any of these shenanigans, and we're going to get a solid document on the family. And that was back in 2015, and instead we got, you know, the footnotes of uh, <laughs> what was what was his uh, the thing that came from that. Uh, was it Morris Letizia. Morris Letizia opening the floodgates to divorce and remarry. And the funny thing is about that, like that was never about divorce and remarried people. It was never about that. Because first off, anybody who's divorced and remarried is going to go for an annulment. Everybody, everybody gets an annulment now. Like there's no, there yeah. is no getting denied an annulment, right? So, and then 90% of people are, are going up and nobody's questioning if they're divorced and remarried anyway. So what was the point of that whole document anyway? Honestly, I mean, the, the people who genuinely cared are going to do what the church actually teaches, right? Like, like right. They, it was almost like writing, an, uh, writing a, a, a document for people who don't care whether the they're people allowed who don't to care or not. don't don't aren't waiting for you to give them permission anyway exactly it was such well, a strange thing francis, it was really francis has burned all his political capital on 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 all the nothing burgers that he's come the, remember the synod on synodality that's still going on still going <laughs> i was nobody, gonna say remember it <laughs> rem yeah because nobody talked about it when it when, nobody talked about it the first three weeks it started and apparently it's still going on but even the vatican forgot about it and I wonder if Francis will live long enough to see that to come to fruition. 
No, he, well, I mean, there, there's pretty credible rumors that he's going to retire now. And I don't know if that's true or not, but I, some, and Jason was even telling me sometimes the better the devil, you know, than the one you don't. But you I know? think he, the only reason I think there's any credibility to those rumors is because I think he wants to see how it plays out after he's gone. Like, I don't think he wants to leave it to, you know, God's providence. He wants to be in the, in the background Maybe not even pulling strings, but he wants to see if all these guys he elected oh, to he's the Cardinal be vocal as he's gonna, he's going to ignore all the. Yeah, he's not going to be. A, he's not going to be a Benedict the Sixteenth. No quiet in the background, but but I think he's that he wants to see all the work he put in the past decade. Will it pay off? And that's why I think he might step down. Yeah, but. You know, ultimately speaking, even if he doesn't, I I don't worry about it because I we already know who the winning team is, and you know what, the they're they're having their little moment right now. The the modernists they're having their little moment. The supiches of the world, the bootlickers. Um, my my advice is enjoy it. Well, let me tell you because it always way, comes way, to an end. And here's when it why does, you know we're gonna win. Here's why you know we're gonna win because I, of course the gospel we know in the apocalypse Christ comes back to judge the living and the dead, and we know that Christ wins in the end. But aside from that, here's how you know we have to win. I saw a video the other day of Jason Alexander, who is George from Seinfeld. Yeah, and the, it was a video of them asking George to find something funny about January sixth. So I, I really wanted to get this clip pulled up for us tonight so we could actually watch it. So Jason Alexander comes out and he intros himself in this whole long thing. And he's saying, I'm known as a comedian. I'm no People who know me know me as someone who's funny, who loves laughter. And they asked me to come up and find something funny about January 6th. And I got to tell you, for the life of me, there's nothing funny about it. He goes through all these horrific things about January 6th. And I'm saying to myself, how can anybody have watched January 6th, saw that idiot with the shaman hat on, with the painted <laughs> face, and not laughed? How can you not laugh at that? That's how you know we're going to win. These people have no sense of humor. They don't know what's funny. They don't, they're so is devoid it? of reality. So the, the is, I, this, I, is this video just a, a close up of him? I don't. I yeah yeah. It's it's well. It was through. Uh, what, but, well, because because it? I see a video here and it just says he gives an urgent message for January sixth. Oh, yeah yeah. That's probably it. Can you play it? If you yeah, can yeah. play it, yeah, it's yeah, me, so bad. Oh look who. Wait, where Welcome were you? Is Stephen a Catholic comedy? How was how was Catholic comedy? <laughs> 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 were, you, were you were you doing another chit chat with Rob segment or? Well, yeah, you know, I, I figured uh, I figured that has a better chance of being successful. So obviously, <laughs> and you get to talk to guys like Father Ripperger. Oh yeah! Uh, <laughs> did you talk to him in the voice? Because uh, did you call him Father Chad? <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> For anybody who doesn't get the joke, go to Catholic Comedy on YouTube and listen to Chit Chat with Rob. Rob got to speak with Father Ripperger. Mark he didn't consult get, Mark, me first. Mark would get it if he would get on Twitter. Rob did not consult me first. He did not ask if I was okay with this. He just decided I'm leaving you, Anthony. I'm gonna. I think Here. that's grounds for divorce, but all right. <laughs> you were there when the deal was made. To everybody, do everybody gets an annulment. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it real quick. Yeah, so Rob, we're talking about uh, George from Seinfeld. I told Rob we would save this for our show because I didn't know where we were going to go with your show, but we're, we're in it. Let's do it. So uh, George from Seinfeld put out a video uh, about how nothing was funny about January 6th. 
And I said, how can you see January 6th with that idiot with the hat on and the painted face and not find that funny? Like, these people <laughs> don't have a clue what funny is the anymore. QAnon you know? shaman. Yeah, the QAnon <laughs> shaman. How could, how could you watch that and not laugh at that? Okay. I, I, all right, y'all, y'all ready here? I'll play the. Let's see if Jason can pull this off. I might, I might take you as my new tech guy if you could do this, Jay. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, do I just? I guess I just share screen. So let me. Yeah. Um, Are you doing it in Chrome? Because if you're not doing it in Chrome, it's not yeah. going to work. Yeah, it's in Chrome. Um, what I'm also going to do is well, first, I'm going to do the Catholic comedy thing. Or you want me to do the oh. Jason? Oh, no, let's do Catholic comedy. <laughs> let's <laughs> do Catholic comedy. Come on, let's do Catholic comedy. <laughs> Well, I see. I might as well just leave again. No. <laughs> well, let me see if I can figure this out. No, I'm kidding. What do you want to do? You want to you want to do Jason Alexander? Let's do that. That's better. I don't want to do that to Rob. Yes, you do. You do want. To. I do, but I'll right. leave it up to everybody. How, is it bad or what? What's it? No, go no. for it. I mean, no, it's great. It's great. It's it's not great. We're not. We're not. I don't want to It's the greatest okay. thing I've ever seen. Can y'all see anything? No, no. Okay, unlock. Oh, you're like me with me with the text up, Jay. Yeah. Let's see. Go to system preferences. <laughs> this is what happens when you join a show with a bunch of boomers. <laughs> hey, I'm a well, millennial. Well, let, so let me. So, so I have a theory about about. I, well, I, I don't. Know, I guess liberals, but modernists in in particular that. That really, they're they're all they don't have you. You talked about how they don't have any sense of humor, and essentially, they're all angry, bitter, miserable people who aren't going to be happy until everybody is as angry and bitter and miserable as they are. Yeah, well, you so, think like no matter what you give, they want more, right? There's no apology that satiates them. There's no, no there's no. It's no, a warping it's, of. It's it, yeah, they just want you. The, the the modernist essentially is a big ball of neuroses, and 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 everything is you know. Uh, you know, he's, he's just kind of a nasty, mean person who, uh, okay, we're ready. Let's rock and roll. All right, let's, let's rock. Let's... Okay, so y'all got it. Okay. Let's see. I'll blow this up. Can y'all hear it? I can hear it. Unfortunately. Uh, I yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to my new podcast, Chit Chat with Rob. I can't, I can't watch. Have a chat with famous characters. Today... I'm joined by renowned exorcist, Father Chad Ripiger. I can call you Father Chad, right? Please don't. Welcome to the show, Father Chad. Well, I, I am happy to be here. No, turn this off. Turn this off. I can't do it. 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 I can not do it 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 i can not Oh, I, I did. I, 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 <laughs> now I'm intrigued. Now I'm intrigued. Yeah, I'll send it to you, Mark. But see, we, we had we had Lou Lou G over here laughing, and we stopped her her her. Habits. Well, listen. Here's the thing. It's not even that it's bad. It's that I like I am going to scrutinize anything Rob does without me. Right? I mean, for the idea that he was going to go and do something on another channel and not oh, talk to dude. me about it and tell Jason me. When I day, saw, he yeah. pipes in with, I'm going to do this for my other podcast. And I was like, oh. <laughs> no, where do you come off doing I, this without I, my permission? I, I had actually had kind of a two episode podcast like a couple of years ago with another friend of mine. Just kind of. We just kind of quit doing it, but basically it was called Everyone and Their Mother, and it was it was going to be everything Marion, like you know, from Marion Dogma. Oh, that's a good idea. It's way better than Trad, man. Any and everything. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's why we're avoiding trad men. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they're podcasts you can Babylon. Start, so you don't Babylon's the only place to invite us. Well, listen, the, the part of the part of the um Part of the appeal of getting us together is we're just going to make fun of each other, right? So I, Rob's when I when I talked to Rob this morning, I went really. He went what? What I do? <laughs> uh, I see you making appearances on other channels without talking to me here, but he goes, oh, that came out, huh? Oh, that came out. <laughs> well, see, you were literally there when I agreed to do it, Andy. Oh, I know, I know. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, well, 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 here's the thing with tonight's episode, right? Is that. Um, you know, me and Mark, you know, we usually talk about serious subjects and we have guests and so we can't kind of cut up and goof off most of the time. Right. <laughs> and we get with you guys and, you know, on your show. Uh, so you think, you know, the faith is, is really enjoyable. And then that other, that other live you did for mass of the ages, we had some really that was one good of the most fun shows we did, man. Yeah. And that, that was, was just, that was just a free for all, um, yeah, it was know, a great time. topic. Um, but did did you want to play this Jason Alexander and then discuss? Yeah, it? let's just see it, just because you could see how unfunny they are. Okay, right. So if you could even just bring up a clip, you don't have to play the whole thing, but just show how unfunny they are, how they don't even have a grasp on humor. Okay, oh wow, yeah. time has not been kind to him. Okay, no. so if this if this isn't the one, just tell me, just let me know. Let's hear it. Let's see. I heard the audio. Hey, everybody, it's Jason Alexander. Yes, yeah, is it. Internationally beloved comedy superstar <laughs> and television icon from the 90s. Uh, people Should've know me there. if they know me, uh, primarily <laughs> for comedy, for all things comedic, for making people laugh, or at least trying to. And I he think that's why the good George. folks at Midas Touch uh, asked if I could perhaps lend a comedic viewpoint to a rather serious subject, that being January 6th and the January 6th insurrection. <laughs> you might have to pause it and talk you know, over it so I you don't get hit with uh it from every comedian. Okay. Like if you don't if you don't pause these and talk over them, they'll hit you with a uh, copyright strike. Now just think about really? just think about like what how he prefaces this. I'm funny. I'm a comedian <laughs> from the nineties and everybody oh, knows me. I am so relevant to today. Yes, I, I am the funny man. Everybody knows me as the funny man. And they asked me to speak about this topic of January sixth. And let's see what he says. What's funny? A complete insurrection. I knew him because he was on a funny man show. I, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that nobody took serious angle I can think of and I tell you it is elusive I am not exactly putting my finger on the comedic button you got American citizens storming our nation's capital breaching the barricades attacking police officers breaking and entering our capitol building itself committing further acts of violence vandalizing and you have a grandma that's 93 years old waving an american flag in a little hallway and you have this idiot with this stupid hat on there's funny in there how can these people not see the the humor in this i, I don't I'm get actually, it i'm actually amazed at how quick america went from being institution all of our institutions were racist and had to be abolished to, to democracy to is sacred no. how well, it just depends on you it, well, just, it, it just depends on what you're us. talking. <laughs> yeah, it, just, it, yeah. it just depends. 
Depends well, if those institutions thing. are and, serving their voluntarist agenda. Right. And yeah. so you know what you call somebody whose only criteria of what they're for or against is whether or not it helps them? That's a sociopath. That that yeah. is the that is the clinical definition of a sociopath. Yeah, people love to play the um like they it's like they're like they always want to call out the hypocrisy of the left, but that's not there is no hypocrisy on the left. They have one rule and that is power. So it's like yeah, I know if we did this, they'll jump all over it. And when they do it, they just ignore it. Like you look at um, like every single shooting, you look at who, what the perpetrator was. And that depends. That gives you what the entire. <laughs> oh, thank God for Don. Um, so, yeah, like you look at it always goes by who the perpetrator was. If it was a, a white male, then, you know, the narrative they're going to go with. But they don't care about actually having principle or consistency it just doesn't work like that that's not you, you know they care about their narrative and if it serves their purpose and they'll run with whatever they have to to further their power and their agenda you know and and, and i was thinking about this past weekend uh in idaho right in Coeur d'Alene, where they had all these federal i mean these white yeah wait wait, wait i don't know that story i saw somebody posted something about that what happened in idaho so apparently, and if if either of you, uh, Mark or Rob, have heard it, and oh, I misspeak, I've let me it. know. But basically, what happened is, I guess I got a tip or whatever that that these uh, white nationalists were going to cause a riot. I guess as a counter protest to the Pride um, celebration they were having, and they found all these guys in the back of a U-Haul van and arrested them for for threatening to cause a riot. Now, as far as I know, they didn't actually do anything. It was well, just. It's weirder than that. They're all, I mean, you know, you know, conservatives and you know, right wing. Are, are they the same guys who went to the March for Life at the front of the March yep. for Life parade? Yes. And they're all in good mm -hmm. shape. Now, there's always yep. a fat guy amongst us. I know because I'm usually the fat guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's weird to find a group of like right wing pro Trump guys and there's not one fat guy. Okay. That's yeah. weird. Two, they're all there. Khaki dockers. I haven't even seen it. And oh, I know no, it. They're, they're all there in zip tie with zip ties behind their back on their knees. Their masks are still on. Their sunglasses are still yes, on. Yes, you never see their names, faces. Names not released. Yeah. But, it's, yeah. but it's weirder than that. They're not even really being arrested. I mean, being arrested is they 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 put you in the zip ties you gotta, and then you they transport you somewhere. You got to get booked. But it the whole thing's just it just looks staged. It looks like a photo op. Well, well, my question is also is, and I'm not the only one that brought this up. So this isn't just me, uh, you know, just my brainchild, I guess. But what about all the 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 Antifa and the BLM and all them that were act, that are actually committing crimes? And they just let it run. And they're just up. getting let let go by the Soros DAs. <laughs> they get arrested. They're out ten minutes later, and nothing ever comes. You saw those the two people who threw the the uh, Molotov cocktail in the police vehicle in New York. They're getting like two years. Like if that happened on the other side, they would be in jail for life. Lock away the key. Throw away the key. That's a wrap. So what I guess, and and to take it to bring it back to Catholicism, because we're not really a political podcast, but no, but uh, I was going to bring up a Catholic point if i could bring it up because y'all saw the shirt on that one one federal agent right that was arrested what is no, what it's say? why don't what we get jason it? alexander off the screen because he's kind of funny looking okay well <laughs> ba basically it was like an armada vessel with um I'm trying to think of what the name of that symbol is um oh that's the wrong one let me find it here real quick and i'll tell yeah, you because so I, I i only saw um somebody 
somebody said Ryan Grant was on the ground over there, and uh, that was the only thing I saw. Somebody said that Ryan Grant was on the ground over there, and he was going to be uh, reporting on what actually happened. Because you could tell right away if it was actual an actual situation like that, it would have been all over every single news source. It would yeah, this is staged. Well, they they, uh, they say that they've found ties between this Patriot Front and like the Azov battalions and other organizations in Ukraine that have okay, no one ties now. to the CIA. Okay, now, this, now, this is interesting. Now, I haven't seen this. These There's an now, actual arrest. Well, arrest this is this is these are mugshots. OK, well, now, listen, I'm, I'm the first one to say that if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. OK, I'm not I don't I'm not out to promote conspiracy theories, knowing that they're wrong yeah. just because it'll help me. Right. So if it's so if it's but I, I do have to say that it, it it's weird to arrest a, a, a domestic. I mean, first of all, if they did what they did, then the FBI ought to be involved, because once you're in a U-Haul, you're now in interstate commerce. And that's 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 federal well, did they catch them with anything? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I mean, is it, it illegal just, to go and counter protest? It was just very strange that there were all these guys with their masks on and the oh, zip ties, but, they, but they weren't really doing anything. They like they weren't arresting them. They just sort of had them there in the zip ties and they were standing there like it was a photo op and they weren't yeah. transporting them anywhere, asking them any questions, reading any rights. That's that's what happens when you. Oh, get this is but, this is Mark sharing his screen. OK, that's me. I'm sorry. Guys. Yeah, no, 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 no. I was sitting here trying to figure out how the heck is that? Well, <laughs> he's like, like, oh, man, there's a ghost in the machine. No, but OK, so so here I'll show you the picture I was talking about. I can't think of the name of this. But it's it's a Catholic symbol, at least to my unless I'm completely wrong. Um, but I found it. Well, are they trying to make it like they were uh, like traditional Catholics or can oh I don't know, but can you see that it's a cross? That's the Jerusalem cross. Jerusalem cross. There you go. There you go. It's I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely whether you call it Catholic or or Orthodox in origin, it's Christian in origin. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. But I mean, at the same time, it's also kind of a crusading symbol. So anyone with that mindset would think of using it potentially. But, you know, but, but the, what's tro more troubling to me is that the entire nation, we can't know what's true anymore because yeah. they, because every word that comes out of their mouth is a lie. And, crazy, they feel like, right? and, and they feel like, and they anymore. will tell you we have the right to lie yeah. because it's for the greater good. Well, the problem with that is Jesus said, I am the truth. So there is no greater good than telling the truth. And if there is, you have to master the smaller goods first. And the rest of us kind of figured out in kindergarten that it's better to tell the truth than tell a lie. But these well, folks are everybody. adults. Well, these folks are adults that don't know how to arrive at moral conclusions that well, your average nine-year-old can reach. I mean, to be fair, though, that's kind of the whole problem with our country i mean from the very beginning is we're not a country that believes in truth we're a country that believes in truth is whatever the majority of the people decide it is so then you have uh, you know uh, groups of people that that all they care about are power and you know whatever they they want and whatever they will they'll use whatever means they can to get 51 percent of the population to vote for it because that then in our country is truth and that's that's the problem. Yeah. And it's also like you just said, like the idea that um, like how they even determined Roe v. Wade was based on that because they were trying to say everyone has the right to like to their own destiny and things like that. Like that's really just totally devoid of truth completely. So it's 
Well, there's no, there's no, what, what the Supreme Court's job is not to tell you what is good policy or bad public policy. The only thing that that branch of government does, and this is the reason why we don't vote for our Supreme Court justices and they have lifetime tenure, is to tell you, is to, is to ensure that whatever laws Congress passes and whatever means the president uses to enforce those laws must comply with what is enshrined in the Constitution. That's yeah. it. That's all they do. They interpret the law. And then they came out and they said, well, but we really that. feel like this would be a good idea. Yeah, and they what started legislating notice? from the bench. Every mm -hmm. time they do that, those decisions go down as the most notorious decisions in the Supreme Court's history every time. Well, I'll tell you, if you looked at the leaked draft that came out, there's one thing that Alito put in there that was so poignant and accurate. He said, Roe v. Wade has been... So, uh, I forgot the wording of it, but he, he said Roe v. Wade, since it's since it's, it was enacted, has been used to like to make the, the, the Supreme Court this political entity that people are just focused on getting. It's no more about justice and anything to do with the law. It's just about a political entity that they could get to swing like they're, that they can use to legislate from the bench. And the way he worded it was really unbelievable I wish, here's I wish why that's here's up. why that's dangerous because it's a political entity whose politics that you are not invited to participate yeah. in and that's the real problem with this now we can have a system where nine unelected people with lifetime tenure decide what the best way for you to live your life is but it won't be republican democracy it'll be judicial oligarchy and it will be abused all you got to do is read your bible read your catechism um and here's a little thing for the people who Ruth sent. Ruth sent us. Ruth sent us. Ruth Bader Ginsburg wasn't a fan of Roe v. Wade. She felt no. that there was no That's constitutional. Was she said it was no constitutional basis. For, now, she was a fan of the policy, unfortunately. Yeah, but, but she said it was bad law. It is bad constitutional law, and everybody knows it. So, uh, you know, but again, we live in a pretty dumb and uneducated society that doesn't have the basic, doesn't have basic civics. No, when that draft got way. leaked, like 80% so, of the country assumed Roe v. Wade was now made abortion illegal in every illegal. state. Like the old countrywide. They didn't even realize what the draft, they didn't realize that A, it was a draft and that it wasn't actually a, a ruling. And B, that all that would do is give the rights back to each individual state to make the decision for themselves. It just says you that know, there's I no, was, actually the federal government could technically pass a law saying that you have some kind of, but but even that wouldn't stand because the states are, are uh the federal government can't pass a law saying the states can't pass this kind of law yeah. unless it's in the constitution. So, well, you know, I was listening to uh, integrated with Angela Erickson today and she, um, she did an episode with Dr. Francis Beckwith or, or I can't remember his last name, but they were talking about uh, Roe v. Wade and other abortion issues. Right. And, she, and I'm probably going to butcher it, but basically they were talking about a lot of people don't understand Roe, like actually what Roe entailed. Right. You know, what, what one of the justifications at the time for Roe was, oh, well, previous to this time period that we're in, these operations of these abortion uh, uh, procedures were da too dangerous to the mother. But now they're safer. And, and then it became a debate of viability. Right. Well, what's what's viable? And she I didn't know this, but she actually made the comment that as we look, you know, we talk about first, second and third trimester that that was never even, a, a, I guess, terminology per se 
until after Roe when the American yeah, Roe made it illegal. Roe made it so that you you had to allow abortion up to the you couldn't legislate on abortion until after the first trimester. If and, I'm if I'm right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they talk about viability, right? But as she yeah, but as technology advances, viability could say, go down to three weeks, right? I was gonna say, as she's mentioned in her podcast, viability is very fluid yeah. as, te- yeah, as technology advances right so so where is the line in that and of that, course that line was actually natu- moved by a further case called kcb planned parenthood which moved that line again to something yeah, else. mark but, you're a lawyer so right. what, what kind of law do you practice actually uh, injury I, personal injury I, right no if i if i practice personal injury we'd all be in my my sweet uh recording <laughs> studio. I'd, I'd have flown i'd have flown y'all down just in my private jet just for this podcast. oh man hey, we're gonna talk <laughs> off air after this this show that's right i do, mark uh, mean you should have done the amber heard johnny depp trial man we would have we had like oh, eight man. million subs by now we could have got rid of these two bums I do. Uh, to answer your question, I do. I do criminal law, and I also do uh, uh, debt relief and and small okay. claims court. But uh, but in but I was in law school. Constitutional law was my jammy jam. I I I, I loved constitutional law, and I, I I firmly believe that the Constitution's unique genius. It's it's not bicameral legislation. England has that. That so that so we're not the first ones to do that. And it's not really tripartite government. There are governments all over the world that have three, maybe sometimes even four branches of government. But the unique thing about the Constitution is the first document to set up three branches of government in opposition to each other so that no one branch of government maintains too much power. Yeah. And they were very concerned about the concentration of power. So if you look at the, the, the branch with the most power is Congress. And out of the two houses of Congress, the one with the most power is the House of Representatives because it has the most people. The power is diffused amongst mm-hmm. more people. And then you have this problem of a chief executive. This is the point where power is concentrated at the highest person, in the highest, most central point. And that guy has the shortest article in the Constitution, Article 2. It's the shortest article in the Constitution. His enumerated, he has the least number of enumerated powers in the entire Constitution for a reason. And then you have a court system set up independent. If you go to Mexico, the president basically appoints his family members yeah, to, the court, to the court and they're all there to prop each other up. Uh, England has had a right to bear arms going back to the 1500s. We got our right to bear arms. Uh, from a continuation of the English common law system. The problem is, in England, Parliament writes the laws, so Parliament determines what the laws mean. They have no independent judiciary, so they haven't had a right to bear arms for almost 150 years, probably. And so the unique genius of our Constitution really is that, that, that... Yeah, and that's what's getting so scary nowadays, because you're seeing how they're purging people who don't think in line with that crazy narrative that's going on so you're seeing even with the election right which i know that's a terrible thing to talk about but forget forget the idea of fraud or anything but the cases that they tried to bring were getting tossed because of no standing like they they weren't even able to get these cases before a judge they would get thrown out for no standing before the case could even be heard but see that's that's legit though yeah but I, but what I'm saying is a lot of, not really, like even in the Pennsylvania one, there was like, well, no, they, it really probably should have been no standing because they did it after the election. But like the, the there was just so many cases that like where if you have judges who are picked by one political party and then you have, it's just, it's, it's very dangerous when you have all three of the branches of government all thinking alike. 
And, and, and the issue there is that the Electoral College was established for much the same reason that we were just talking about. It was decided early on that the states would elect the president. And if you think about it, that makes sense. That's the only election that all of us get to participate in together. Now, we may vote for our congressional representatives, but Anthony, you can't vote for the second congressional district in Houston. You don't get to yeah. vote in that election. Yeah, I, no. I, I do. And 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 so there's only one one election that all of us get to vote in, and that's the president. So the, the Electoral College was established with that. And in order to keep the state sovereign, it was decided that each state would determine its own electoral process for deciding the, who that's these electors more. would be. Yeah. And in some states, that's better. In some states, that's not. Um, and yeah, it's they're trying of, to federalize elections now, too. Yeah. And and that's the thing that I always go back to is we can't build a perfect society here on this earth. We can do better than we've done before in some cases and some cases not. But we must always get our morality and our 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 theological and moral teachings from the Catholic Church. It is the only institution that we can count on all the time, all the time to tell us the truth not the Pope necessarily, the church. That's where, that's the only place we can go where we are sure 100% of the time what is right and what is not. Yeah, uh, I think that's why people are losing it right now because that stability and that rock, especially when it comes to moral foundation, seems like it's getting shaky, right? Like it right. seems like... Well, in the eyes of most, it's gone. The church has no moral authority for most people yeah. anymore. All that. And that's, and that is the and fault the of the modernists it, themselves. I was going to say, and the church has hurt itself in that regard. So, you know, the, the, the church obviously in, in its, in its perfection, you know, indefectibility and whatnot has the moral high ground, but now us as the lay people have a huge uphill battle due to the evil acts of some within the church. Well, let's talk about even like the, the catechism changing with the death penalty, right? I, I have to tell you, I think the best argument against the death penalty is I'd rather 10 guilty go free than one innocent be put to death, right? Like, it's the idea of Sodom and Gomorrah, like like uh, Abraham saying, well, what if there's 100 people that are, all right, then I'll spare the city. What if there's only 10? All right, then I'll spare the city. But you can't find even one, then that's it. You know, the city's got to go. But especially with corrupt governments like i like that would be my only that would be the only thing i would say is the only decent argument against allowing a death penalty so now when you see that the way francis did that and change it if he had worded it in a way that wasn't like he worded it in a way that made it sound like it is a, a moral evil yeah, I was going to say, me and Rob have talked about this on social media with somebody. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 been, reframed. Evil is how it's he... been reframed reframed that it's an intrinsic evil. And again, That's crazy, because then you're saying the church. Something, can, something, can never, something that is intrinsically evil can never be a good and vice right. versa. Right. Like right. Good can so, never be intrinsically evil. So. so, like, I'm not planning on lethally injecting somebody, right? So I don't care, per se, about the death penalty. Like, I don't, I don't care if if there's no death penalty so much. I mean, I do think it should be there as a deterrent and I think it's there for justice sake, but especially with seeing how little I trust our government now, I'm not so much concerned with the enactment of the death penalty as I am the, the moral 
like the the stability of the church holding its word to what it taught for two thousand years at this and, point. And I'm there with you because I'm kind of, uh, 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 you know, I support the death penalty because uh, again, historically, the church has ha- has said that it it's not an evil that it can be a good when used properly. That that it's same- actually used in for the good uh, of the soul. Well, right. It, it's used yeah. in obedience to the fifth commandment, actually, when yeah. used properly. So I, but, I never but, understood. But the, but the thing, no, that, real quick, but the thing that I struggle with on it is I'm like you, Anthony. I don't trust the state. Yeah. The state is evil and corrupt, and it's getting worse, particularly in this country. You know, and we're going to well, be the ones on the well receiving end of it. But, well, but, but I can't come out and say, you, you do not support. You know, like like the like the left says, oh well, you're not truly pro-life. Yeah, I think that's that's... and stuff like that because it's so lame. Because while I support it, I still have my doubts on who is actually executing. Yeah, yeah, those those are moral platitudes that they love to shout out. I mean, Rob, I'll let you go, and then I want to chime in after Rob. Catholic moral theology would say that for the death penalty to be admissible, it would have to be done by a government that is legitimate and And just. That is just and holds legitimate authority. So one could definitely make the case that, well, you know, for instance, the Soviet Union, Nazi Germany, communist China, these places are not legitimate governments. They don't hold legitimate authority given by God. So, no, they can't use the death penalty in a moral in a moral way they don't but even even that even that the death penalty is actually for the good of the soul and until like the, like i used to have like a hard time with that because i was a jp2 catholic where it was like oh you're pro-life you got to be against the death penalty but no like if somebody actually did commit a heinous crime and they know their end is coming the hope is that they will repent now, well, if you think- let somebody just stay in jail for life, they're going to develop a new life. They're going to get into gangbanging in the prison. But if they know their end is coming, it causes them to reflect on their life and repent before death. I well, did. I did real quick, Mark, if you don't mind. Yeah, I, I, I had a question for Rob. Um, but actually, real quick, t- Timothy Gordon had some stats one time when he was talking with Trent Horn about how those on death row have a much – I can't remember how he phrased it, but basically a much higher rate of um, – repentance i guess if you want to yeah. say you know sorrow yeah. for their for, for their crime um my question for rob is just uh so so you know you mentioned catholic moral theology you know talks about legitimate governments when you're having that discussion with somebody what what would you say is a is a is a legitimate government versus not because i know you mentioned like soviet communism and then you mentioned you know nazism in in germany and whatnot um and and maybe and maybe that's too much of a nuanced question but i was just kind of curious of your thoughts on that that's a that's a tough one that's a deep one (laughs) i'd have to i'd have to dive deep into the father ripper so I want to be I want to be the dissenting I want to be the dissenting opinion well not maybe not the dissenting opinion but I want to stick up for uh for what the catechism says about the death penalty even the even the revised catechism the catechism lays out certain conditions um for the for the intentional taking of a human life in order for it to be done legitimately and in and in a sense it is a it is a um it is a last ditch effort to protect uh, someone from an unjust aggressor that is that a person has a good reason to believe is an immediate threat of death or serious bodily injury. Um, in the case of and and for most of human history, prisons, especially the modern penal system, 
didn't exist. Prisons were kind of, uh, I mean, a, a yeah, so iffy you, thing, right? You even look yeah. to like the West in the 1800s. If you robbed yeah. something, they'd hang you. Because they didn't have a prison system they to keep you know, a 15-year right. sentence. And also, part of part of Pope Francis's decision, what, what Mark is talking about, is the penal system, how we're much more advanced. But I also think that's a very, very narrow first world type it, it viewpoint is. on it, the and, penal yeah. system itself. And it's, and it's also not applicable in all situations here. Do you guys remember mm -hmm. Ted Bundy? Ted Bundy escaped jail awaiting trial <laughs> twice, and both times when he went when he would escape, yeah. he would go on a murdering spree and kill innocent that. people. Really? And finally, when I they knew he got out, but yeah. when they finally executed him in Florida, they went to you know they they go they clean out your stuff uh, that uh, the cell you've been in on death row, and the the hinges on the cell he was in just came <laughs> off. He'd been working on getting out of there. Wow. And so in that situation, now I got to research Ted Bundy. I would make, <laughs> I, would, I would make the, the argument that in that situation, the death penalty is appropriate because yeah. there's no other way to protect society. Yeah, and especially if a prisoner is like killing other prisoners in the prison, things like that. You and, know, yeah, people's but lives I think are at risk. To the extent that we, we can be, I think what we're trying to do is take an abstract moral principle like human life is sacred and apply it in even in situations where it makes us uncomfortable a little bit to do so because that's called integrity, right? That's called being honest with yourself and saying, and, and it's not right to ask the pro-abortion people to do that if you're not willing to do it too. Mm -hmm. However, the one thing that, here's why it's different. The one thing that both the left in this country and the right on this country would agree on is that it is immoral to give the death penalty to an innocent person. Oh, yeah. So if that's the case, abortion is the death penalty to an innocent person. There's no other see, way to look at it. Uh, did you see my protege put out that clip today? Matt Frad put out that clip of the woman speaking. <laughs> Matt Matt Frad. Frad. Did he really? <laughs> he's trying to get him, like, put out any clips today. <laughs> he put out a clip of a woman saying how no matter what country you go to, whether uh, the death penalty is legal or not, like if a, the one time and the death penalty is never admissible in any country, regardless of anything, is if the woman is pregnant. Because everybody recognizes that that baby mm. is innocent of the crime. So you could never give the death penalty to a pregnant woman. It's a good clip. That's mm. interesting. I told except, him well. Except the left doesn't think that the child is innocent. I know. They'll, they'll claim that it's, you know, that the, the child is forcing the woman to, yeah. to give birth to it or, you well, know, all, because, or is harming any, the woman. All and of anybody that who nonsense. would say that is a psychopath. And we have, well, of course. And we've got to be able yeah. to look at somebody who say, like, we got to be smarter as a country a little bit, too. Like, you know, I, I'm, I know everybody hates, system? I know everybody hates Joe Biden. But he isn't doing anything he didn't tell you he was going to do when he was running. Mm -hmm. Why on earth did you think, you know, you can't get mad at him now. That that doesn't help you. You voted him in now. That yeah. doesn't help you. And we, I don't think I, many people put much thought process into it. I think people are just tribal to the point where they're not even... Right. I don't think there's a cognitive connection for them that they see seven dollar gas price and Joe Biden as president. I really don't think people. Oh, make there the, is now. There, there's 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 polling so? numbers. Out, there's polling numbers out there to suggest that. And I I get the weird feeling. By the way, how have we not talked about what's going on with Bill Maher these days? Oh well, Bill Listen, Maher's been like that though. No, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Bill Maher. No, no. Well, he's so changed. here's the thing. He's pushing he's back a little bit instead of just going along with every little thing. But Bill Maher is like a lot like a, 
uh, he's just that he's got that classical liberal kind of mentality yeah, where very, I think he's finally he's, starting to see it's going too far. Yeah, but, he's very he's very left wing in, in in just about everything, but he's always been pretty much against this whole. Yeah, he's more um, libertarian than well, left wing. He would, I but he had he's libertarian. No, he's, he's, no but, way, no way. No, he just had Trump derangement syndrome. No, but so even when, before that, I don't even know how you align with him a li- with the libertarian because he's just he's so I, far I don't, out there. Yeah, I, he definitely is a leftist, but Dude, I'm saying he, is, he got he got Trump derangement syndrome so bad that he is now shocked at the 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 playing board when he set the playing board because of all the things he was helping to advance over the past 10, ten years. Well, people people can change and never yeah, and enough. never and and the Holy Ghost can work miracles. Did you see his segment about? The gun violence issue. Great. I expect I, ex- I expected him to take the classic gun. Come you on, talking about the movie clip? Come like, on, talking about guns the Hollywood are bad, and we all know movies it, in know? Hollywood. You were talking about that clip, but he, had said he attacked the culture of violence. Yeah, the culture of violence in Hollywood is really now, good. Now that is an authentically Catholic position there, because there is something wrong in a society. I. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a tattoo guy. I have, I have, I have tattoos, the sake, I have mm-hmm. the sacred heart here and everything. I just saw a video of a guy who got a tattoo of Pablo Escobar. He got a, a photo realistic tattoo of a homicidal psychopath yeah. that, that brutally and, and murdered innocent well, Mark, people. How many people wear Che Guevara shirts? Yeah. 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 Che Guevara yeah. shirts. And they your have high school, no idea who this guy is. You got yeah, in your be, high schools. The ultimate, the ultimate race, or, or one of the ultimate racist, homophobic, got, genocidal maniacs to live. I, I just, yeah, and so it's, and so there's something wrong, and it's, and it goes back to we, we, you know, and I know uh, you were talking about earlier. It's, it's even crept into the church. I would argue that it started there. So as the Catholic Church goes, so goes so the, the world, world goes. and it, it may take about fifty years in lag time, but event, but it, this started in the 1960s after the council, I would say that's where do you think before, but what do you think happens over the next few years with the church? Schism. Yeah. In all, in all all reality, there is one already. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe not in practice, but like there really is one already. Like, uh, like I see some of the things they're doing in, in in Novus Ordo land and I, and I hate to even say that right like I don't I I still will attend the Novus Ordo mass but some of the things you see are just so insane and bonkers at this point the only time I've been denied communion in my life is when I went to kneel and receive on the tongue and it happened two times in the past two years it just seems like how is this the religion I was taught well and that's like and I, just, like if they were to if they were to outlaw the traditional Latin mass I would make a solid attempt to fulfill my Sunday obligation at the Novus Ordo Parish. But if it gets to a point where I start to feel like I'm worshiping strange gods, the Catholic Church, no no one in the hierarchy of the church can command me to worship strange gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like what happens if now that you walk out? What happens if now that you have Supich at the Congregation for Divine Worship, they start popping in these like that's my mom's line. Like my mom's like, I'm gonna stay going here until like I guess she has this line she's not gonna cross, right? So it's like, well, what is that line? Is it women deacons? What what is that line? Is it yeah, um that, are they it. are they add Pachamama I mean, to the canon? Like what is the line? That'll do it. 
When there already are functional women deacons, unfortunately. There are. They're not wearing clerical garb, but functionally there are. Sometimes they do. They're, older girls. They're getting, I mean, actually, that's what Rob, what Rob said is true. It might have been in Bahrain or somewhere. I went to Mass one time, and uh, I remember I saw a woman walking around in, in um, what you call Clerics, it? Clerics, more or less. Yeah, get clerical robes and stuff. And I was just, at first, I was like, okay, did I walk into the wrong church? But... She 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 wasn't active during the mass, but it was she was dressed up to get everything basically set up. But I mean, I mean, all this from from female altar servers to the female acolytes and and all that. It's just getting everybody used to well, seeing that. Also so say that, this. so that let when me, they go, let me also further, say this: you're not let shocked. Me, let me also say this though, because a lot of the women who are helping at mass aren't doing it because they're liberal crazies who are trying to move the move the they are women who are genuinely trying to serve the church and because the church is allowing it they think they're doing a good thing right like they're they're, like a lot of people like will see clips of like women doing things like that and they're like these are i know some of them they're some of the most genuine spiritually like supernatural faith-filled people you'll ever meet in your life and they genuinely from the bottom of their heart just want to serve the church and they're going up and reading the readings at mass because they want to help not because they're revolutionaries because right. the church the church has confused this idea of what active participation actually right. it's, is it's crazy and, and i agree because you know when, when we were talking about schism that it's already you know and maybe not in exactly, practice right. per se but is there but you know we have to be careful too because it's not necessarily a novus ordo versus tlm uh oh, type sure. schism sure. right because oh, definitely not no way i think it's an orthodox catholic verse yeah Lib-Cath, because like you because like you said i've mentioned on our show before my my kids godparents all all six of them you know i, I met them through my conversion through a novice ordo parish some of the like uh some of the most intelligent catholics i've ever met and can talk to anybody about traditional Catholicism and stuff like that. And, and, and they're, they're are very holy people. In and just think order. how few people even have access to the Latin mass. So forget it's not, exactly. this is not a liturgy divide. It no, is exactly. an Orthodox Catholic versus left Catholic. That's where the divide and, and is. See, and mm-hmm. see, I, I think that's one of my big issues with among many with set of right? Is the fact that it is such a, like you mentioned, it's a liturgy divide and it's, it's more than that, but 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 uh, at least among the set of a contest in the Roman, right? I don't know if there's some from the Eastern Catholic side, right? But everything those goes are called back- Orthodox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but everything everything goes back to the Novus Order, right? And and, and I and I want to ask the set of a contest sometimes. You're saying that the TLM is the only the only liturgy that that benefits man. What about our Eastern brethren? Yeah. You know, our Eastern Catholics. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what they would Dude, necessarily say. Set of contism is largely an, an American fad. I'm not saying there's oh, yeah. no set of contest around yeah. the world. Yeah, it true. is largely an American yeah. fad for people who have an internet connection and who have money. And there's no way in my mind that God would hide his church from the little ones who are poor in these third yeah. world countries. It's just, <laughs> it's just illogical. Look yeah. at Africa. Should, Africa's you think, be you think somebody in Africa and those little villages has ever heard of Novus Ordo Watch? They haven't, I assure you. And well, there's, it's, an, it's just it's illogical. Ameri- it's an American fad because the, those people have the same presuppositions as your liberal American Protestants. Mm-hmm. They believe they have the authority. They, As individuals, they're the source of power and of authority, and they can interpret 
I mean, it's really sola scriptura, except instead of just the Bible, they've added in. They're adding in the, the documents, the, the documents, councils, and all the, other the yeah. yeah. And they don't and they, even agree among themselves. Who no, there's a there's, there's, they're fractured themselves. And they if you ever see like the, the most holy family guys are fighting with the Novus Ordo Watch guys, <laughs> it's so funny actually. And they've deified the Pope because mm -hmm. essentially what you're saying same is, as the, is same the Pope, as where Peter as soon is. As the Pope is bad. It's yes. not the one true Church anymore. Mm -hmm. Meaning the Pope is God. Yep. Uh, and I'll never forget one time I had a, a very holy traditional priest. He was he was an FSSP priest, and I was complaining about you know the Nova Sordo and all this, that and the other thing. And he just turned to me and he said, don't be holier than the church. Yeah. And I was like, nope. yeah, boom. I, and yeah, I a lot of people, a lot of people have to be careful that. getting caught up with um, personality cults too, especially with online traditionalism. Right. And I, I, I made a comment the other day and I think not the people on this show, you guys are cool. <laughs> well, that's, well, Rob and I made a, made a, we've had many discussions about this. We will not criticize the hierarchy especially the pope like i'm not saying we won't like tonight vaguely, some... yeah like we talked about tonight like vaguely but i'm never gonna come up and call francis uh heritage well, we nothing like that respectfully. Never yeah we talked to him yeah. respectfully he's the, the pope the, i mean yes exactly he's the yeah. holy father yeah he's the pope like we can say okay i'm not crazy about more I mean, but as much as i disagree with everything Kupich does he's a prince of the church prince of the church yeah i'll uh so, i'll i'll, I'll I, I just can't force myself to say anything nice about Supich. So you don't have to say anything nice, but you also can't go on a tirade because we are laymen. And You're right. We have, right. we don't. Now, I will say this. I honestly think the issue with Francis is he has surrounded himself with some people who have an agenda. And I mean, when you're, when you're the Pope, the last three or four Popes though, man, yeah. come on. you've got, yeah, but you don't, the Vatican is a very, I mean, I, I would hire a food taster if I were yeah. in the Vatican, right? I mean, and <laughs> John you surround Paul yourself with these people who are all they're all ambitious as Lucifer and cunning as a rattlesnake. OK, and these are the people who give you all your information. When you're the pope, you can't fly down to Regina Chaley Parish and sit in the pews and go. So what do you what do you guys like? Your only info about what the traditionalists are like are what Roach tells you they're like. And if you <laughs> and, and, if, and if you listen to that over and Don. over and over again, <laughs> <laughs> oh you're gonna, you're gonna have a, an opinion of traditionalist that is in, that is very slanted and very negative and very you know uh, because when he was the bishop of uh, Buenos Aires when Samoran Pontificum came out he create he created a space for the traditional Latin mass celebrated every Sunday in his diocese. So he wasn't always like this. This is new. Uh, and, and that's what troubles me is um, going into this conclave is who the, the, the people who've been advising him and you know, yeah. whispering in his ear are now going to be up for election. And, yeah, I think we I think we all man, need to really, really pray, pray our hearts out on this pray one. And sacrifice, man. man. Absolutely. So. I don't know. I pray for the Holy Fathers. I, ho I hope that the Holy Spirit enlightens his uh, his perception of. A lot of things and but well and we'll and we've also sorry go ahead rob i was gonna say i think we really need to pray that benedict goes first because if if benedict goes first there'll be no any, confusion any, about right, the insanity of the next that that holds that benedict was the true pope well in past history when a pope has been illegally deposed by the emperor the newly elected pope was considered an anti-pope until the previous pope died and then even though that election maybe was spurious at best the church then recognized him as pope and he was pope so yeah. 
if Benedict goes first, then yeah, I think I think one of the things that bothers Francis the most is that Benedict hung out as long as he did. Like I did not, I don't think he ever expected to have this thing in the you know in the in Rome hanging around to bring like to to take away some of the credibility of some of the decrees he's made and things like that so i just i just wanted to add you know we're talking about you know fasting and prayer to the you know to the holy spirit to to do certain things within the church right to bring it back on the orthodox path as far as its leaders go but i also think we have to be careful because i was i was thinking about this um because kennedy hall actually made a post on you know the consecration of, of of uh of Our Lady uh, of Fatima, right, to to, to Russia. And he yep. mentioned, you know, that, that a lot of people are saying, well, this needs to happen in this time period and oh, so yeah, on and so fine. forth. And and who are we to tell God when and how to do right. what he knows how to do better than anybody? I think people's anybody, perception right? of that so, is totally off because I think well, things are going to get worse quick. before God fixes it. Yeah, and, but what I was going to say, though, is leading into that, the same thing with the church. When we're making these, or, or when we're saying our prayers and fasting for the church, we've also got to remember, if we do that, and then we happen to get another pope that is not, or maybe is even worse than uh, Pope Francis, as far as we're concerned, don't lose faith, because yeah. in God's time, he will handle he Yeah, will there's handle, no more you know, important parable than the one where Jesus is asleep in the boat right now mm. for our times right where well that's not the, that wasn't a parable that was an actual right it was a story that, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, a yeah. Christ, <laughs> right well so like christ is asleep in the boat and the and the disciples are panicking because the storm's going crazy and the boat's rocking all over it's like he's still in the boat he's still got the helm chill out everybody and he's i have a, I have, a storm. I have a weird and interesting take on the denial of peter most people read that story and i've often read it myself that peter was scared of the crowd and that's why he denied christ what if, and, and I hope I'm not venturing into heresy here, but what if he was not scared, he was disillusioned? Because remember, in the Garden of Gethsemane, hours before this, he was ready to get down with these people. He drew his sword out. He wasn't scared of these temple guards. Let's, let's do it. And Christ tells him, put his sword away. Now, if I'm Peter, I'm thinking, oh, you're going to do something. And I've seen the kind of, th what are you going to do, Jesus? Are we going to turn these people into snakes or what are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it even says, as they're leading Jesus to Caiaphas's house, Peter's following along. If he's really so scared, why does he show up to the trial? He well, shows, I think he may have showed up thinking, man, I'm we going to turn you all into snakes and then we're going to see what's up. And instead, Jesus says nothing. He lets, he allows to be himself to be insulted, spit on, hit. And that's, that's when Peter says, forget it. I'm done with this guy. And he's even described as cursing. Like he, he's angry mm -hmm. as he's walking away. What if he's disillusioned? And how many of us, I know I've felt that way so many times. I, the church does something that is just infuriating and you're just like, that's it. These people are all evil. I'm done. Jesus, it's your church. You fix it. You think I'm about done. every single line in the gospels and I have been, I'm talking like early in my, in my conversion, there was a time where I was out drinking with a bunch of guys who I hadn't seen in a long time and they hadn't known me since my conversion. And I was embarrassed about my conversion and I denied. And so somebody was like, Oh, I hear Anthony's going to church and this and that. And I was like, no, no. And I downplayed it. And I remember being so devastated at myself and disappointed in myself. 
And then, and then you read Peter's denial and it's like every single line in the gospels is there for one of those instances in your life where you make a mistake or you do something like if There's Peter never knew under the sun, like I would have maybe been so like guilt ridden at my mistake. And I wouldn't have seen that. No, we're all broken. Man, even Peter denied Christ and he witnessed everything. Like every single line of those gospels were written to speak to our hearts for the times when we're in trouble, for the times when we deny Christ and the times where all these like, and you, you just think about the storm swelling around us right now and the waves are crashing on and it seems like the boat's going to sink. And it's just like, do we believe that God's in control or don't we? Yeah, everybody's, every every tyrant on earth has been the one who's going to take down the church. And those guys are all dead and we're still here. Yeah. And, the, have, and, have the, and these people are not more terrifying than the Stalins of the world. I know they imagine <laughs> themselves to be, but trust me, I'm not scared of these people. Y'all are y'all are Father Mike Schmitz fans, right? Then y'all say that. Love him. I love him. Yeah. Okay. So adore there, that man. There was a, uh, I guess a few years ago he did. It was an Easter homily or whatever, and uh, he was he was talking about when Jesus was. Mark reminded me of this talking about Jesus being led away, but when he was being led or, or, or you know, being uh, crucified up right before that point, I guess, when he was carrying his cross and he was uh, being scourged at the pillar and all that, and people were spitting on him, laughing at him, mocking him, you know, committing all kinds of blasphemies against, against him and whatnot. You know, he was like, we kind of view this event as these are just some random people in a crowd. But to Jesus – he literally knew every intimate detail about every single person that was yep. spitting on him, that was hitting him, that was mocking him. He knew that person better than themselves. And he still said, I'm, I'm going to keep going forward with this. I think the biggest, I think the hardest part of the agony in the garden for Jesus was not the pain that he was going through physically. Right. It was experience everyone's sins that would happen for the rest of and, time. And more than that, knowing that they, that, the people he was going to die for had no, like they didn't care that like, it's like, like he is God and we're about to murder our creator because like, I just think that is so much more inf infinitely worse than the physical pain he endured. It's like, it, it like to know that the people he loved into existence are going to not only not care, but, actively kill him you know and that's guys and that's and that's what's uh, real you gotta real, you have to go where you yeah go. i'm like we finally got into like really getting into the faith and talking about <laughs> stuff and i gotta go pick my kids up go pick your kids oh, up but, but real quick song, Anthony, that one... i i i wanted to say one thing to you real quick because i was reading or i still am reading that book by tom holland um there's going to be some things you're not you don't agree 100 percent with yeah. him on but oh, the, well. I, the main thing was that intro i really thought was so no, no. amazing no, I like that. But what I was getting at, you know, you're talking about, you know, how Christ came down and, and knew everything. You know, he you know, he's talking about right now about how in ancient religions, there's no way God would ever lower himself to come to the human level because yeah, yeah descend because you were gonna do God's bidding, otherwise you were gonna suffer God's wrath. Where Jesus right. descended down to man so that he may, you know, bring us that you book really is really is great because it shows how the idea of a slave on a cross 
could be God was so baffling to an ancient mind. Mm -hmm. It was a scandal to the Jews, especially. It was just, if you saw someone being crucified, you were defiled. And apparently, according to Tom Holland, like nobody had ever really written down or detailed a crucifixion until four gentlemen decided to write about the, the crucifixion of, yeah. a, of a of a Jew from the Middle East. Because and it was that, so horrific, they didn't even yeah. want to talk about it. And yeah. and the and the Romans said that the Persians invented it because it was so torturous and cruel. They didn't even want to take credit for inventing it. They blamed it on the Persians, and the Persians blamed it on the Babylonians. And nobody wanted to say, yeah, we came up with this. But the, it was just such a torturous, horrific way to go that the idea that that could be God. Like you, you have to think about somebody actually posted the other day and they were like, um, do you realize how grotesque a crucifix is? Like what if somebody was, could you imagine having a guillotine in your home or a firing squad, a picture of a firing squad? It's like, yes, that's the point. Do you understand? We go and we drop to our knees at the sight of the most grotesque, horrific murder of all time a man being strung up naked on a cross. It's well, and, and and he mentions that in the book, right? How how after the crucifixion, the early Christians didn't really have a whole lot of artwork on Jesus. Oh, they would. They, yeah, it was and, and, until like and, the fifth century, right? And then when they started to, it was Jesus was depicted as a muscular, you know, man. But as time went on and, and as the church and Christians started to really grasp what happened and, and stuff like that, then they started depicting him you know like on the crucifix behind me a beaten battered you know yeah a, a man on the cross and uh but i just thought that was amazing because i didn't know that either that in the first part of uh, uh after christ died no no christians really that no the first artwork, artwork was because it was so it was so looked down upon the first artwork they really replaced uh jesus from zeus like they would put Jesus in place yeah, of Zeus, they would, yeah. they would, they would make him as if he was a a a, a Senate, you know, the head of the Roman Senate, things like that. They made him a very um, like a royal figure, and it wasn't until they really started pondering the crucifixion that artwork started depicting Christ crucified, and they started way. getting further away from the time, you know, of the crucifixions. Yeah. In general. Yeah, because they were still seeing people crucified at the time of the crucifixion. So yeah. it took some time of like uh, being removed from that era for them to be able to depict it. Guys, I had such a good time, and it always thinks that like the second half of the show is where it really got going. Like this is where we're really. You know what? Next time we do it, because we didn't really know what we were going to talk about. I think we should really pick a Christian topic next time when we do this because that's that's really can, what we're doing can, this can for. i can i have a parting thought before you go and then of course I'll let you yeah go. i got i still got like three four minutes for you guys want he'll, to... let, he'll let you go the hebrew the hebrew, <laughs> the, the hebrew name for jesus is yeshua and it's mm -hmm. and it, actually the the god we worship his name is josh it's i know joshua. that's i know that burns a lot of people you mean i'm sure. worshiping josh yes joshua. joshua if you look at the book of joshua joshua leads he ends the exodus by leading by crossing the jordan river then he goes into the land of Canaan and kills everybody and everything. Even going so far in the 10th chapter of Joshua to, as it says, take the, uh, he said he, uh, he took the Kings there, thereupon Joshua struck and killed the Kings and hanged them on trees where they remained hanging until the evening. And at sunset, Joshua commanded that they be taken down from the trees and thrown into the cave where they had hidden over the mouth of the cave. Large stones were placed and they remained there until this very day. And then the second Yeshua, 
crosses the Jordan River, but instead of killing everybody, he takes all that death and all mm -hmm. that destruction on himself, even allowing himself to be hung from the tree. But when he's placed in the cave, he doesn't remain there to this day. So, and and he, there's always that those types that Scott those, Hans that typology about. is my it's it's what lights up my heart. Yeah, stories right of there, typology and foreshadowing. Yeah. It lights my heart up. It's like that's if like people who love the Marvel Cinematic Universe that don't read scripture, you have no idea what you're missing out on. Like you want to see these stories interconnect and how they all go together. Like go read the Old we Testament fell. and see how Christ fulfilled it. We fell from well, grace by eating fruit from a tree. So to be restored, we eat the fruit that hangs on the tree of life. Yeah, it's Christ's wow. body. It's, we have such. We have the most amazing faith in the it's world, so man. It's so and amazing. So and that's the thing. Me and Mark were talking about the other day was, uh, you know, I'd mentioned to Mark that growing up, I had always struggled with this idea of where Jesus said, "I came to fulfill, not to destroy." But it seemed like in Protestant Christianity, in particular, like there was a cutoff, right? Like, okay, well, Jesus died everything else before that is null and void you know and and as i was becoming catholic you know saint thomas aquinas talks about there's three types of law you have your natural law your moral law which never changes you have your judicial and your ceremonial laws which were you know done away with but those but those moral laws were never done away with you know like the ten commandments so yeah. on and so forth but when I started becoming catholic and I looked at the typology and I started listening to it you can easily see there's not that divide. It's a, you know, it's a fulfillment, fulfillment. of what it's, the Old Testament was. It's just one beautiful story. And I, and seamless I, story. And I tell you, the Christian religion is so much more beautiful when you have a Catholic understanding of it. It's yeah. not superficial. We have so many great saints that have opened up the depths of this faith that, 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 that no other uh, Christian denomination could compare I'm, I'm sorry See, that's what i really think our channels should focus on the beauty of all the things that we believe because it's like there's a hundred other channels out there that they could go and get gossip from that are doing yeah. the talking head thing getting into well, we'll, oh this we'll drama is happening on next this... week and let's talk about types actually we'll no, do that next we're week doing that on but we'll we're do doing the next one on our channel so yeah, maybe more sure. than well, well we just worked out the bugs people. on this one. We just worked out the bugs. <laughs> That's the place to do it. No, we'll but right. we'll uh we'll do it on our channel next time and let's do that. Let's let's do let's let's pick a let's pick a story uh, in the old testament Jason, and how it was fulfilled. Yes, Jason, uh you spelled it plat froms. What did oh, you do? Mark. That was Mark. Platforms. No, it was not. I throw. I'm quick to throw my quote. My platforms. Oh, I just noticed that. I, keep, I, keep a I thought we wanted to talk about religion and types. And you're no, 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 no. Listen, if there's if there's one thing I've taught Rob, it's never let a mistake go by without pointing it out. <laughs> oh, I put to Mark all the time. I'm like, but hey, it's Mark. it's always funny to do it to each other. Like I feel like everybody that goes on air, no. they're so careful about like over like. Don't 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 point to the mistake. Don't point to the mistake. And we have really brought pointing to the mistake as like the ideal yeah, of our yeah. channel. It's like well, if somebody screws up, bring it up. I give Mark such a hard time for misspelling sometimes. So it was it was poetic justice that it happened to me. <laughs> he's nice enough. He's nice enough to do it off the air, not me. So next time we're gonna be on all on our platform. And, uh, dude, I love you guys, man. I really do. I know everybody always makes fun of us and says we're uh, you know. You know, <laughs> and down the Pride Month, Pride Month route, but I really do enjoy hanging with you guys. And uh, 
thank you so much for inviting me on your channel for change. And I can't wait to have you guys on mine. You guys close the show out. I really do got to run. That was impressive. I could never do that. That was impressive. Thank oh, yeah, you guys so much. We'll talk in the chat. We'll, we'll text are, each other after this. Are, Thank are, you guys. Are, there, are the rest of us hanging out or are we done? Um, no, I mean, we, I mean, we can, or if, uh, I mean, yeah, I definitely, we're, we're I an definitely, hour and 30. I'm going to, I'm going to call it. <laughs> I definitely want to give uh, Rob a chance here just for any of our listeners that listen off air that, or, or whatnot, he can, you know, get parting thoughts on, uh, what he for does sure. and, and whatnot. Oh, putting me on the spot, man. <laughs> um, well, anyway, Cut a uh, promo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for those of you, I don't know if Anthony mentioned it while I was off air, but, um, Anthony's sister, is looking at uh, at vocations at um, at joining the the passionist nuns, um, but she has to clear all of her student debt that she was kind of pushed into by the culture, like so many of us are. So, um, Anthony or his sister has a fundraiser set up on Gifts and Go to hopefully work at clearing that debt so she can uh, take her vow. So, um, for those of you interested in that, um, I believe it is. Givesendgo.com slash send Chrissy to convent. And it's K R I S S Y. Okay. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Mark can add it in the show notes or something here as well. Definitely. Definitely. I saw, I was at morning mass this morning and that I saw a religious sister in, in habit. Um, and every time I see one, my heart just explodes because it fills mm -hmm. with love. Yeah. We don't, we don't see them anymore. And it's so nope. tragic. And everybody, we're always talking about, we have mental health crisis and we have homeless crisis and we have like, and it's like, yeah, who ran all those sanatoriums? Who ran all those boarding schools? Who ran all those orphanages? Who, who, who created than, hospitals? Who more who than anybody it? else in the church looked after the most unwanted and unloved people in our societies. And then Nuns. in the 1960s, we threw them out like they didn't matter. What happened to women religious after the council is one of the most horrible crimes. And it, 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 it we're, we're still throwing them out. We're still, we're still kicking them out. You know, I, uh, maybe last year or so we had some Dominican sisters visit Regina Chaley. Uh, they were actually a Vietnamese Dominican sister. Uh, group, yeah, the Vietnamese right? kept it real. They keep it. Real. And I remember after mass, my 11 year old daughter was just talking to them for the longest period of time. And they were talking to her. And I remember thinking like, like it just gives you such a good feeling. Even, even if your daughter doesn't become a sister, it's awesome for her to cultivate that love mm -hmm. and relationship for them, you know, and they took some pictures with her and, 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 and whatnot. But, you know, I tell my girls all the time, um, or my boys too, but since we're talking about sisters, um, you know, don't just write, I, I know you want to be a mother, you love babies and all that. And that's a great vocation and whatnot, but, but don't write off being a sister just because that's what you want. And Mark's grandmother actually gave him some advice that I've, started using with them mark's grandmother told him give god the first pick so mark went ahead if you don't mind me sharing mark no i don't I mark don't. mark spent a couple years or so in seminary discerning whether he was going to be a priest or not decided it wasn't for him obviously now he's married and 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 whatnot but i told my girls that the other day i said give god the first choice mm -hmm. give it a, give it an honest discernment and if it's if you want to be a mother, but you feel God is calling you to, to the sisterhood, go with what 
go with what God has assigned you here's, to do. Here's what I recommend give up to everybody. And well, is, I was just gonna, no, I, go I was just gonna, no, no, I'm sorry, I was just gonna add. I know my oldest daughter; she's uh, 13. She'll be 14 later this year. Her and a couple other girls around the same age are actually putting together basically a discernment group for girls their age and they're supposed to get they're supposed That's to get awesome. a sister to come in and they're going to meet once a month and talk with the sister and and basically have a study with her and and, and whatnot but but we really need to push our young girls and young boys i always say do a do a postulancy life. do a postulancy right if at the end of your postulancy you you enter the novitiate that's fine. If you don't, that's also fine. If you, if you do your novitiate and it's time to profess, and this is not your vocation, you have just spent a year, maybe two years in an environment where you will learn spiritual practices that will carry you through for the rest of your life. And especially right out of high school, you're too young to really appreciate college. Anyway, I think give yourself some time to spend some time out of the house. Okay learn some self-discipline, learn a prayer life. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you will, you will 15, 20 years down the road, you will look back at the time you spent in and postulancy and possibly even novitiate as some of the best, most formative years of your life. There is no downside, right. To at least doing a postulancy. And I tell, I tell everybody that, and I, I think I still stand by that because your spiritual directors will, will guide you through the discernment process. They're not, if you find a good community or a good seminary, they're not going to ordain you if you don't really belong there. Okay. But at the same time, at a young man, 16, 17, when you graduate from high school, okay. Or a young lady at the same age, man, you need to learn some things about how to be an adult Catholic that I think mm -hmm. that's a great environment to do it in. And, and, and so that's that. Amen. And that's all I got. Yeah. That's our show, everybody. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, Rob, do y'all have a, a trivia show coming up this week or? Yeah, I think we're still planning on doing it Thursday, maybe Wednesday. I'll have to check with Anthony. Um, Fridays, just so many people are busy during the summers. Yeah. And, uh, so, and, and it'd be nice to get a chance to do, do stuff for on Fridays nights yeah. too. So, so I think it's going to be Thursday or maybe Wednesday. We have to figure that out. I think we're tomorrow planning on doing a show with his sister to talk about her, um, her discernment. So cool. awesome. Yeah. Well, awesome. We should check that out. Um, yeah. So they can catch you at avoiding Babylon on, on YouTube. And, and then of course I've, uh, here I'll, Throw them up here again. Um, they, can yep, catch right. they can catch y'all on Twitter and yep. keep, uh, keep up to date with uh, y'all's workings. But yeah, definitely check out Avoiding Babylon. Um, they do really good work over there, and it's fun. It's a it's a fun way to learn about the faith and fellowship. You know. Um, yeah, it's nice just to hang out without uh, thinking about all the crazy stuff going on in the world. Exactly. Exactly. And all I was right. just. And I was just going to end Mark real quick. Mm -hmm. Me and you are actually putting together an episode tomorrow on Father Emil. I'm hoping Kapan, so. I, my, my guest has not gotten back to me to confirm yet, uh, no. so I'm I'm hoping so. I'm going to call him no. because I've I've been texting him and he's not responding. Well, so we I'll need him. him. If anybody's watched the show before, it's Dr. Alex Bilikowski is a military historian. He's a professor at, awesome. uh, at a university around here, but. He, um, but yeah, we're, we're going to talk about servant of God, father Emil Capon and release it on father's day. So, um, anybody that doesn't know about father Emil Capon, do some research on him. Pray for his, be a, uh, be a, I can't say the word, pray for him to be a saint. 
<laughs> for sure, Anthony. Thanks for coming um, on, bud. I forget what the because beatified is. No, that's they, not blessed. it. Blessed. No. What are what are they called when they become a veteran? Canonization. Right. Yeah. Yeah, pray for his canonization. Sorry, guys, I I still haven't mastered the English language after forty years, so excuse me. <laughs> but he's but his Latin is. <laughs> so. All right, guys, that's all I got. Thanks everybody for watching, and uh, we'll see you all around. God bless. All right. God bless. Oh.